Chapter Three of A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science by George Griffith. Chapter Three. That evening at the Dower House, Dr. Halkine had a conversation with Miss Grace on the same subject, the marriage which was now practically agreed upon between herself and Harold Enstone. "'Then you have quite made up your mind, Grace,' he said. "'And you really think that the marriage is in accordance with your—well, perhaps I ought not to put it quite so prosaically as that, although you and I are so much accustomed to talk that way.' "'Oh, yes, I quite see what you mean, uncle.' she laughed. You mean, do I think it in accordance with the eternal fitness of things, which of course includes my own affections and inclinations? Yes, she continued, putting her elbows on the table and her chin between her hands, and looking at him, as few others were able to do for any length of time, straight in the eyes. Yes, you may call it an illustration of the law of selection, of the adaptation of the fittest to the fittest, under the special circumstances of the case suitability to environment and all that kind of scientific stuff if you like in plain english it comes to this that harold loves me and i well yes i think i love him the last sentence was not spoken as a girl really in love would have uttered the words there was just a suspicion of restraint a little hesitation between the words which might not have struck an ordinary person in their true meaning but which dr halkine grasped at once then grace he said leaning back in his chair and taking a long meditative pull at his pipe i may take it i presume that you have really made up your mind that you can marry this young man and as the story-book says live happily ever after i think so uncle she replied at least of course so far as one can foresee these things and yet you know it is very curious he is almost absolutely the opposite to everything that you ever taught me to look upon as, what shall I say, well, the best in man. That is a very singular remark, Grace, said the doctor, sending a cloud of smoke curling up towards the ceiling. Really, it is one of the most curious remarks that a young lady in your present position could very well make. What am I to understand by it? Surely you are not beginning to see spots on the sun already. Oh, no, no, she laughed. That isn't a bit what I mean. What I ought to have said is this. You have always trained and educated me to think that the highest qualities of man are the mental and intellectual, and that, however good and strong and manly a man might be, he was, after all, only a higher kind of animal, unless he possessed exceptional mental and intellectual powers. Now, of course, as you know, Harold is everything that a man, as man, ought to be. At any rate, I think so. But although he is clever and well-educated as society reckons education, it would be absurd to say that he could compare for a moment with either Sir Godfrey or yourself. Or yourself, for instance, added the doctor, knocking the ashes out of his pipe. That, Grace, I think, is a matter which you really ought to think seriously about, he went on keeping his eyes upon hers, and speaking in a tone which was familiar enough to her, but which it would not have done Harold Enstone very much good to hear. 
you know that you are not merely an ordinary girl who can make a brilliant marriage like this just because you are beautiful well educated and fairly well off your education has been very different to that of the ordinary society beauty and to put it plainly it has given you powers which they have possibly never dreamed of is that really so uncle she said getting up from her seat and beginning to walk up and down the room with her hands clasped behind her frankly i hope it isn't so because since well since that afternoon in the park when harold told me that he loved me and wanted me and i looked at him yes you looked at him said the doctor and what then you looked him straight in the eyes i suppose and then that she laughed with a quick flush is not a question that you ought to ask and i certainly shan't answer it what i mean is this she went on more seriously ever since then i have had an uncomfortable haunting suspicion that i've got some sort of power as you say that i use it unconsciously to well make him love me <laughs> my dear grace he laughed if that is all you're going to say you need not have taken the trouble it is merely the power that every beautiful girl has to make a man love her provided always that she exercises it over the right man there is no mystery about that except the eternal mystery of what people call love which has never been explained and which no sensible person wants to explain yes she replied but there is something else you may be able to explain it but i can't something that is a complete mystery to me ah he said well now perhaps we are coming to the most interesting part of the problem of course i will solve the puzzle for you if i can but what is it it is a very difficult thing she replied flushing again for a girl to explain to any man if he is her uncle even such an uncle as you have been to me in fact the only sort of father i ever knew yes he said so gravely that his tone rather surprised her yes i quite understand that is difficult it must be and by way of helping you out a little i should suggest that you should detach yourself entirely from the personal question and put it into the ordinary language that we are accustomed to talk in i quite see what you mean she said pulling herself up straight and giving her head a quick little shake as though she would shake a certain set of thoughts out of it it is this way when a girl is really in love with a man i mean in love with him in the ordinary commonplace sense of the term she is supposed to be in love with him always not only when she is awake but when she is crossing the borderland which lies between the world of realities and the world of dreams in other words she thinks of him when she is going to sleep now if that is really true i am afraid i am not properly in love with harold i think of him sometimes in an impersonal sort of way after we have been for a long walk or riding together or after we have been dining at the manor but after that he fades completely out of my existence and when i meet him again the next day i have a curious sense of making a new acquaintance yet the moment that we are alone together everything is just as it was the day before i mean that we are in every way just as much lovers as ever then when we are apart it seems to go again and i am mentally speaking unattached until i meet him again now that doesn't seem right does it that is very easily understood my dear grace replied the doctor lighting a fresh pipe you have been educated quite differently to other girls 
thanks to my selfishness and your devotion you have lived a life of comparative isolation from society you have travelled with me through the wild outlands of the earth and what other girls have learned from books you have learned in the presence of mother nature herself on the other hand you know something of social conventions partly from books and partly from experience and you have also learned how much or how little worth they are on the whole then i think it is not very surprising that you should find yourself falling in love in a somewhat unconventional way then you know there is another thing which i don't think you have quite grasped the average girl naturally falls in love in the average way as a rule with the average man do you mean harold she interrupted stopping in front of him oh no he replied looking up at her with a laugh harold enstone is by no means an ordinary man he is like yourself he has taken the best of his education where you got it like you he has seen the eternities and the immensities face to face he has learned to understand that eloquent silence which is the speech of nature to him as to you towns and cities are simply overcrowded human hives he like you would be lonelier in a london theatre or a society leader's at home than he would be on an island in the pacific or in the uplands of tibet although of course he has not so far attained to the higher knowledge that you have ah yes she stopped again what is that higher knowledge perhaps that may be the secret of this strange love of mine the love which really only seems to live when i am near him what is it shall i tell you the great secret grace he said rising and beginning to walk up and down the room but no perhaps i'd better not for after all you might not like to know it after that of course you will have to tell it me uncle she laughed not altogether mirthfully you said that in the very way to make me want to know now what is it if you don't tell me i shall go to bed miserable and probably get up with the resolve to break off everything with harold because i shall think that i only love him in a philosophical and therefore unnatural sort of way that my dear grace he replied would be a great misfortune both for you and for him it really would because you are so perfectly suited to each other in every way therefore i will tell you but remember he went on putting his hands on her shoulders and fixing her eyes with that strange magnetic glance which harold enstone dislikes so much remember that what i'm going to tell you now is for you alone it must never be repeated not even to him when you are married you have as i have said the same power over him that every beautiful woman has over the man who believes her to be the most adorable being in the world but you have something else something that you have inherited from your mother you have the power of keeping his love of making him mentally your abject slave and yet at the same time detaching yourself absolutely from him of looking upon him as something apart from your own existence and therefore you can do as you will with his love you can chain him in fetters of silk and gold and yet remain entirely free yourself that is of course if you choose to do so and he went on speaking very slowly drawing her a little nearer to him you will choose grace to do that whenever it may be necessary you will marry him and i think yes i believe you will be happy with him but never forget in the midst of all your happiness 
that you retain that power in reserve, and if circumstances should ever demand it, you must and shall remember to use it. But why? she said, looking back at him, and feeling as though it were impossible to take her eyes away from his. Why should I have such a power as that, and why should I ever want to use it with him? That, he replied, still keeping her gaze enchained, is a question which only the fates can answer. I have only told you what I know, but remember this too, that having told you that you possess this power, I desire you to use it when and how it may be necessary to do so. Now you had better go to bed, but remember, remember. He stooped forward and kissed her on the forehead. He stroked her hair back with his hand, and then drew it down quickly over her eyes. They closed, and then, as he brushed her hair back again, they opened. She turned away and walked mechanically towards the door. He opened it for her, and as she passed slowly upstairs, he went down to the kitchen and sent the girl who acted as her maid up to her. When he got back to the dining room, he lit another pipe, threw himself back into the big armchair, and said to himself between the puffs, Well, looked at from the lower plane, I suppose it would not be considered an entirely legal or even a strictly honorable transaction. But still, there are other things to consider. And, after all, the interests of science are higher than any individual human interests. It can be done, and there is no reason why she should not help me to do it. She will be happy, and so will he, for a time, perhaps for life, if they will only do what they are wanted to do. As for Sir Godfrey, he is a very good fellow, a learned man in his own sphere, but an ignoramus from our point of view, and happily or unhappily, again, according to the point of view, he is afflicted with that very convenient disease, divided personality. Really, it would seem as though the fates had worked to bring me into contact with such a man, a man who, properly managed, could make me a potential master of two or three millions. What would be impossible then? Nothing except the reversal of the elementary rules of nature, and even those might be controlled some day. Yes, it is just a matter of money. Strange that we who have done so much and solved so many secrets should still, by some queer contradiction in the order of things, be forced to depend upon the money that may have been made by the most sordid trading or the commonest or meanest swindling. Yet we must have it. And therefore, if only my first experiment in divided personality is a success, I will have it. End of chapter 3 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista